Hey, this is Jack Morrissey. Welcome to the Team Jack podcast, long lost and recently unearthed thanks to a um, initiative taking text from Matt Cohen asking if I wanted to make one this week. Yet that he sent yesterday. Can I uh, for in this the pur- week of weeks for the pur- shaping up to be a week of weeks <laughs> for the purposes of listener disclosure? And this might be an interesting conversation to start with, but. Um, when everyone's like, where's the podcast? Where's the podcast? All the especially time. Especially on Twitter. Especially on Twitter. Twitter. It always seems to be directed at me, but... I, I directed at you. You don't fucking text me, bro. Like, no, it's well, not like often you're like, I will Let's text Matt Cohen, week. and Matt Cohen never texts back. There is that. But you've never... <laughs> you have never once asked me to podcast, and I've been like, no. I know. So Has- it's, it's hashtag both... Hashtag lazy. Hashtag both our faults. <laughs> but we're back now. <laughs> um, fair, as the Brits say. So in a week Only that, the Brits say that. Well, it's <laughs> like most of those British expressions, such as as you do, there I find that it's all slowly ma- making its way across the pond and seeping into the American lexicon as well. But it was a week that started with Paul Walker's death and then literally like about five to ten minutes before Cohen's hand hit the front door here at the house. You think it was my hand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what well, was some door knocker? Um, Wolf Blitzer just announced or went live to the to the uh, address by some South African official announcing the death of Nelson Mandela, and uh, almost equally as important to listeners of this podcast, Brian Singer. Yeah, if you guys aren't took familiar, to his Twitter account and if, announced X Men Apocalypse for 2016. If you're not familiar with Nelson Mandela, he was a sci-fi writer who did a handful of <laughs> early episodes of The Twilight Zone. <laughs> it was him and Matheson. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and then, after which the Mandela in Battlestar Galactica was named. Exactly. And then uh, so, and then Singer announced sequel to X Men: Days of Future Past, which I I guess you've got to look at this now as the first film of a new franchise days of future past yeah as opposed to being a sequel to first class because it doesn't appear to in any i mean i guess because mcavoy and fassbender yeah yeah i mean i think well i think maybe the first class movie now in sort of as we move forward in time will start to look as just look like one of these side origin movies totally. and it just happens to be a group origin movie rather than for instance a wolverine origin movie or a captain america origin movie or the magneto one that never happened that well yeah but never say never i mean they well, definitely have a draft or two on that for mckellen or now fassbender uh the draft of the magneto origins project was conceived and ordered up by fox Way back for Ian prior to yeah. first class, so Fassbender likely wasn't even on the scene as a force to be reckoned with. There was going to be, according to people I know who read the script, and I I could probably get it, but I I never read scripts if I don't have to. Um, I think there was material for McKellen in there, so I think McKellen was actually going to sort of open it with a flashback. Right I on. think that was maybe the structure. That's but, interesting. I don't know. I have no real uh, feelings towards these new X movies. I like First Class a lot. Well, let me just say, as much as I love and adore my brother Ian McKellen, and I do really like him in the part of Magneto for sure, um, I don't have any real faith in the idea that a standalone Magneto movie would be financially viable. No, not even if they reworked it for Fassbender, because it's not like he's a, a it's box just not that big. Star. It's just not darth vader you know yeah i agree it's not darth vader um i don't know i i really liked first class but uh 
Yeah, I did too. It's the same thing that happened with the G.I. Joe franchise, which it's been happening a lot lately, where I'll like a first movie, and it'll do decent enough to get a second movie, yeah. and then they go, all right, let's fucking throw everything out about that first movie. A lot of people feel that way about just, J.J. Trek, right? And, reca- and and what's also, especially with um, G.I. Joe to G.I. Joe 2, and now First Class to Days of Future Past, they throw out like 90% of the cast, which is kind of weird to me. Who do they throw out from first class? Every, I mean, look, they're everyone's in Nicholas it. Nicholas Holt is back. Excuse me, everyone's in it, but but they're not going to be in it for more than fucking two minutes. Yeah, that's probably true. They all shot like a day on it. Yeah, and I know one of the X Men, and he shot a day on it. Who do you know? Uh, uh, Havoc, played by uh, Lucas Till. He wasn't there for long. All right, okay. and they've all announced their their involvement in the movie has been announced at this point. So I'm not like yeah, of course, leaking anything, but. They didn't shoot long on the film. Right. All the other little, the kids at least from the first class. So, yeah. Um, it it just seems like they're using the first movie as an excuse to now give us a new. Well, there's a Wolverine fuck, movie, and there's a fuck ton of new mutants, including Boo Boo Stewart from the Twilight Saga. Good old playing Boo-Boo. War Paint. Yeah. War so Paint. I mean, is he even going to get any lines? You know, I'm not sure. Um, I, I think Hugh Jackman will get 90% of the fucking lines. As, as usual. Yeah, right? which I didn't even think And they've would... greenlit the Wolverine 3. They have. So now it's just Hugh Jackman will be playing Wolverine for the rest of his career. Yeah, and until even though Wolverine is not meant to age, which is why they allegedly made the choice to send his character back in time to his younger self rather than... Uh, sending him and Kitty to the future. Yeah, as it as it was in the book the comics, run, yeah, right, it's, yeah. It's current um, day X Men go to the future as yeah. opposed to future X Men try to save the past, right? Actually, makes more sense this way, though. The moral of the story is there will come at, at some point in time Hugh Jackman will actually look too old to play Wolverine, but let's see how many movies they can. Well, get yeah, made and, between now and that moment, whenever it comes, and in their favor for that, they've also got Old Man Logan in their back pocket. I'm sure. Which That's probably true. Which was a comic, yeah. which was an amazing comic too. Yeah, you know what I mean. So yeah. he doesn't have to stop anytime soon. It looks like true. true. How many films has he played him in now? Ooh, ready? X Men. Uh, well, X Men one through three. X Men one through three. Wolverine Origins. Wolverine. The Wolverine. So, so that's five movies. Five. X Men First Class cameo. Six. So six. He's been in every yeah every X Men. Yeah. yeah. And this is his seventh time playing that character, which is a lot for any yeah. actor to play one character. Yeah. And do you find in your in your nerdist universe that there's there that there's still a significant contingent of male or female, but mostly male comic book fandom who are still who still grumble at the idea of Hugh Jackman as no. Wolverine, or has everyone no, gotten used to it? Everyone. Now at this point, I don't, I can't see a better choice for the character, right? Which is insane because it's nothing like the actual character in the comics, right? But it makes sense, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, if you were to do true to life Wolverine, he'd be like five foot two and covered in hair. I forget what right. podcast I was listening to, but someone said Bob Hoskins, and it was like exactly like that's Wolverine was a was a gross little, you know what I mean? Right. Um, but to make him, and he also was never the leader of the X Men. Right, he was just the most pop. He emerged he was, as the most popular character, and he is a term. So that, he became that in the films. He's a term that I certainly use, but I think other people do too. In terms of like the Wolverine of your team is not the leader of the team, or by any means even the protagonist, but is the fan favorite. Right, the character you know that is you in your. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so I mean, if anything, it's, even the cartoon, he wasn't really the lead at all. Right. And that was in the early '90s. It's when he started to become super popular. So now, for it to be the Wolverine show, it's just an it's an interesting place to take the series, which they kind of had to, though. I think before the po- before the popularity of that character, who was the most popular character in that universe, Cyclops. Uh, no, Cyclops was never popular, and because he's too too much a Boy Scout. Yeah, Wolvie was always the most popular fan favorite, at least. But he was n- not typically the lead of stories. Do you know I what see. I mean? Yeah. Until yeah. About the nineties, late eighties, nineties, right. and then right. Um, people do like that violence. I guess so, man. Uh, and and also they've killed off every other one of their fucking stars in that franchise. So they have no one left, right? 
right. Cyclops. I mean, the rest of them are dead. Right. From the original film, are are any of the cast members still alive, continuity-wise? Let me think. Cyclops is dead. Xavier's dead. Jean Grey's dead. All thanks to Brett Ratner. Um, yeah. Who else was in I wonder if that's going to be undone in the new picture. Alan Cummings not coming back. He's not no. as Nightcrawler. No, nor is... Um, uh, What's his name? Uh, Frazier as Beast. Kelsey Grammer, which would have been cool. Right. Because that would have been a cool opportunity. Well, no, Nicholas Holt is appearing as Beast in Days of Future Past. Yeah, right? they could have had Old Beast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wonder why it's not coming back. Just no room. Uh, it seems like it. I mean, it's out of... And he was also in that second movie. Was it? No, the third movie. He was only in it for like fucking 10 minutes. Right. Beast didn't have a big part to play in it. Right. But out of the major X-Men, I think those are the only two not coming back and this will be brian singer's uh, the third just announced that just announced sequel that we're discussing x-men apocalypse would be brian singer's fourth x-men movie and fifth comic book movie superman returns being the the only non-marvel only like eighth or ninth movie in total right yeah it's um at pupil and then jack and the giant fucking whatever jack and the giant peach um yeah no it's it's uh the usual suspects usual suspects apt pupil yeah um then apt pupil then x-men x-men straight into x2 into superman straight into superman returns then he does valkyrie with tom cruise and an eye patch yeah and then he goes straight into I think Jack the Giant Slayer or Killer I can't remember which which of the two words and then right back and then with. into X Men so and then into X Men Days of Future Past and now X Men Apocalypse his career has so, been kind of X dominated at this point um yeah well I mean you know um is he even a particularly big comic book fan. Brian no, Singer? and he never was. No, this is what's so funny about he it. He never was. Yeah. But I think that's what he that's what he felt like he uh he could bring to it was objectivity instead of a slavish devotion to the subject matter. Which makes sense. And I will to give it to him, those first two X Men movies, particularly the second one, are really fucking good. Yeah, they still stand as the X two particularly X two stands as one of the sort of better and more highly regarded comic book movies ever made right yeah i'd say so. certainly the best of the x-men movies uh i i prefer, or you personally I like prefer first class now first class more. but up until that point x2 especially the opening of x2 was one of the with, better with the whole nightcrawler's white, white attack thing. on the white white house exactly yeah yeah that's considered one of the better sequences in comic history well wow. um I don't know. It's just it's getting to be a weird landscape in terms of superhero movies. It's all superhero. The superhero movies are the entire landscape. But yesterday, yesterday they announced Wonder Woman and her casting. Yeah, and Batman, Batman versus, versus Superman. Superman or whatever they're going to ultimately call Batman. it. Who yeah, fucking cares. I don't know. Um, you I don't have, care about that movie? No, not at all. No, because Zack Snyder's involved. Right, and you all. Uh, ultimately came down against man of steel yeah you did see it i did see it eventually right okay. and i didn't come down on it because of superman slaughtering all the people or i came down on it because it was fucking boring yeah i just couldn't pay it couldn't hold my attention honestly i saw it once i liked it or i like i like most of it i think but it'll be interesting looking at it again i was just immediately taken out of it when we start the movie with like russell crowe riding a dragon well, there was that. Yeah, it was very it was Avatar, like Avatar World. On Krypton, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was. It was just a strange movie. And yeah. then I am no fan of Zack Snyder, so like the concept of him now getting Batman and Wonder Woman. Just, Do you hate his Watchmen? I. That's the only film of his. That and the Guardians of Gahul are the only films I find. The Owl movie. The Owl movie is my favorite Zack Snyder movie. Okay. Watchmen. Uh, when it came out, I loved like more than anything in the world. But that's because I was caught up in like fanboy madness and mm-hmm. now recognize that it is an unwatchable film. It is a perfect adaptation of the graphic novel, but it's not a fucking movie. I've tried to show Watchmen to like maybe 10 people since it's come out and every single one of them at like the 40 minute mark, they turn to me and they're like, we're not going to really fucking watch this whole thing. Right. Really? Yo, know, cause at the 40 minute mark, it goes to an hour of Dr. Manhattan talking to himself in outer space. Right. Like this. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's scary for anyone who doesn't know exactly what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the reason I really come down on Snyder is like 300 I never liked and but but didn't hate it. It was just dumb and big and whatever it was for the moment. Yeah. Sucker Punch is actively the single worst film ever made. Really? In my opinion. I so never saw it. Anything post Sucker Punch, I'm like, fuck you, Snyder. Fuck you, Hollywood, for giving this guy money. Right. Fuck anyone for watching the movies. Wow. Sucker Punch is real bad, man. Wow. Like offensively bad. Wow. Um. So, yeah, I have no interest in what is I think is a music video director getting Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, especially if it's a sequel to... Or like one of the worst comic book movies ever. I keep yawning at Matt Cohen, by the way. It's because I banged out like a really intense Running Canyon um, an hour ago. So, yeah. I mean, I also think everyone's talking about her casting in particular. Wonder Woman's casting. Gal Gadot, I mm-hmm. believe the pronunciation is. Mm-hmm. Um, And, yeah, it's just, it's. I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get anything about the movie so far. I don't know, dude. I mean... From where I sit, you know, as a as a kid who I dabbled in comics, but it was always shit like, I think it was like Aquaman because I liked the design of the Manta, which was his villain, right? Ghost Rider because I liked the design of, the, obviously, the Ghost title Rider. character. Yeah. And I used to read, I think, these Marvel comics like Tales of the Zombie sort of magazine styles yeah, comics yeah. and stuff, but... Um, I never really got into any of the conventional comic book characters and titles. So for me, sitting where I sit, which is in my little chair with with my iPhone in my hand, scrolling Facebook and just looking at Reaction. one breathless post after another from the likes of Badass Digest slash film, uh, Nerdist, etc., just breathlessly announcing... <laughs> the latest casting edition or the latest character to show up in the latest Easter egg. Matt Cohen was explaining to me right just before we started rolling that there's actually an Easter egg in the amazing Spider-Man two trailer, which was just released this morning. I guess hardly an Easter egg, like front and fucking center, which is you just, yeah. I mean, everyone's in the trailer. Uh, when Harry Osborne is leading Peter through Oscorp, you see, he talks something about like his designs. No, it's um, Peter finds a laptop with a video from his father on it. We get a narration of like, Peter, this is your father. Like the reason that I died or whatever is because I found out what Norman Osborn was planning to do with my designs. And if he does, the whole city's in danger. And as he's saying that, we see them walk through a hallway. And in the back are Dr. Octopus's suit and Vulture's wings. Right. Like in a science labby type setting, and they're right. not in the movie, right? So, but from where I sit, whether it's Wonder Woman's casting announced or that sort of stuff, or the constant speculation swirling around what's next to come out of sort of you know Marvel productions, I just, dude, I could not give a fuck. For me, it's all Twilight. It's how people, it's how non-Twilighters view Twilight. It's I'm, I will never get inside this stuff. Um, the Avenger, I guess you call it the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Those are the only films that I genuinely get excited anymore in terms of superhero stuff with this stuff. The movies, the Marvel character Thor, movies that Iron Marvel Man, is act- actively and yes. actually producing under the under their Marvel new Studios. home at Disney. Yeah, those are the only movies I could give a fuck about in terms of like, I get excess, excited when someone gets cast or I get excited yeah. when there's an Easter egg in that. Yeah. Because um, it's all building to something. Right. Whereas like, great, Dr. Octopus will be in this new, of course he will, he's fucking Dr. Octopus. Yeah, like, he's that's the not... Joker. They're just going to constantly keep rebooting that, yeah, so that villain. When everyone was like, oh, man, it's Dane DeHane as Green Goblin on the poster. It was like, yeah, it's a fucking Spider-Man movie. Like, that's yeah. it, that's not a surprise to me. Yeah. But some of the stuff Marvel's doing is genuinely, even for fans, surprising and cool. Right. You know, like, the I don't know if you saw Thor uh, 2, but, like, the post... No. The post-credit stinger in that with Benicio Del Toro as the collector. Well, I did see that online. Like, I'm a hardcore comic fan. I would have never in a in a billion years I wouldn't have recognized that as the like that's an obscure fucking thing for them to it was bust also out. Also seemed incredibly camp. 
Well, James Gunn directed that sequence yeah. too, so yeah. that's a taste of what Guardians might be like. Very v- high camp, just very campy and gay. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that stuff excites me, but like when uh, I don't know, it's just I I can't get it up for these other fucking superhero movies anymore. Right. Well, there's so many to choose from. And they keep announcing more and more. Now it's like Netflix is getting Daredevil and That's Doc Strange. Crazy, dude, it's unbelievable. Now you've got DC announcing that their Goyer is actively trying to produce Booster Gold and Suicide Squad and all kind of the C-list DC characters for like right. 20 to $30 million films. Right. It, it's just I can't take it. It's just too much now. It's too much, dude. It's and, just too much. And now we're getting to a point, and look, even in the beginning, arguably... Let's say this all started with the Donner movies. Mm, no, I think I you. To be fair, you have to say that it all started with the unexpectedly large. I think it was like a seventy million dollar weekend for Brian Singer's first X Men movie. I guess so. That is the first modern comic modern. book superhero movie that opened to a much. Didn't I get I, people surprise or agreed. Su- surprisingly higher than predicted opening i definitely agree and i, I always and harp on this fact they kicked it off they kicked it off but and then nolan came and picked up the mantle with batman begins and then changed the entire thing but and everyone always forgets to credit this movie and even this franchise and i've spoken to like people who work at marvel and other giant nerds who when they talk about the superhero films never mention blade movies and well that's interesting at new line the Blade, like Blade One, came out before X Men One and did really, really well. But it feels to me like most people don't know that. Don't Blade even a, know that Blade nope. has comic book origins. It's got a Marvel uh, title. Does on, it on those movies? Yeah, absolutely. That's interesting. That's to me because I didn't give a fuck about. I didn't see the Donner Superman movies as a kid. No, and I saw the Batman movies, but that was a one off in Batman my mind. Movies. Exactly into so, the Joel Schumacher Batman movies, which annihilated the comic book genre so when blade came out and then x-men and then i believe like hellboy i think yeah it was that kind of punch of like oh they're making fucking movies i care about now and then it went to daredevil and electra and you had a you had a little bit of a lull or yeah and catwoman and and all that shit i mean all those all those movies but then marvel saved it yeah do you know what i mean that that first and say what you will about it but that first iron man movie change the fucking game again well and that's the interesting thing again it's it's and i've done it my retention is shit on the subject but i've i've actually done it just for just out of my own curiosity just go to boxofficemojo.com which is sort of the box office site that everybody in the business uses even though you know again the other thing you have to learn is that most grosses are inflated by 10 percent across the board but you know getting something that's the, your closest approximation to actual numbers you can get at boxofficemojo.com. And um, when you look at the grosses for any of, for any of these standalone Marvel movies, Captain America or any given installment of Thor, or Iron Man, etc., they're roughly equal to what the Fox X-Men movies, which are not standalone single character movies, obviously, have all grossed. That's how, that's how huge what Marvel has done um, looms on, on the landscape. And that for me, that is the, the interesting thing. And you're already starting to see the lines drawn. Um, I think the mandate for X-Men days of future past is, you know, that was greenlit by a studio that, is being run by a new administration. Tom Rothman, the guy who ran it for a thousand years is gone. And this new studio looked from century city where they're headquartered on the Fox lot over to, um, obviously, uh, North to Burbank and the Disney lot. And they looked at those Avengers grosses and they decided, well, if we take the first class cast and the classic, X-Men cast, the Brian Singer X-Men cast, if you will, um, and combine them and then add giant sentinels, presumably destroying some huge American city, probably New York. Maybe we can have our own Avengers size gross, but the the X-Men have never grossed what 
They've never grossed any single X-Men movie has, has never, never grossed, grossed even Marvel. close to what the Avengers to, grossed. No. But any single, any single X-Men movie is has also really growth. only grossed in the ballpark of your, again, your average Captain America or Thor installment. Which, is which like are just what? single character Two, pictures, two fifty, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Just do the work. It's it's very very interesting. It in, in the same way that a lot of this stuff has become so um, conversational now. Stuff that like not too many people would really be tuned into, say ten fifteen years ago. Everybody understands now that Star Trek, both before and after the the JJ revamp, the mandate for which was to open it up. And make it more youthful, and figure out how to how to freshen up that brand for Viacom, CBS, Paramount, and make something that they could export around the world to bigger bigger grosses. Um, Star Trek has never Star Trek remains kind of really an American phenomenon, and for the most part, is not a big deal. It obviously there's a big fandom globally and it, it's sort of a visible fandom but um the star trek gross the star trek movies don't gross anything special overseas versus star wars which is the massive planet-wide juggernaut that f- does just as well in theory around the world as it does here in north america where it was made or not where it was made but obviously where it's originating from um that makes sense to me and it, but everybody one. knows that now. Yeah. Everybody knows that Star Trek don't travel. Even after JJ, Star Trek still don't travel. Um, and so it's... Ca- so the interesting thing is X-Men versus any of these Marvel, Marvel movies, Marvel-produced movies, and you have an enormously expensive movie in Days of Future Past. Brian has also tweeted it's the most expensive movie that he's ever made in his career. Which is really saying something, given that Superman, Superman Returns like was the most expensive movie dollars. ever made at the time it was made. I think I, no, it was like closer to three hundred million. I don't think any other than potentially a Justice League movie with a different cast than the one that we've currently are heading towards under Nolan's. I mean, under um, Snyder's, Snyder's direction. Yeah, I don't think. Any movie in the world of comic books other than a Justice League movie can touch an Avengers movie. Right. There's no... There, X-Men is the team. There's no other people to put on that team to get you to that grand conclusion. Right. Unless you teamed up X-Men and Fantastic... Like, unless they made some weird mashup, which shouldn't exist, yeah. like they're doing with Batman and Superman. Right. They're trying to cheat Superman 2 into being the Justice League movie, it seems like now. Right. Because well, you've got Batman, Man Superman, and Wonder too. Woman, whatever the fuck you yeah. call it. Yeah. So now that is an event movie because you've got Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman in it. Yeah. Whereas a Batman movie on its own will never be as exciting as the Avengers. A Superman movie on its own will never right. be exciting as the Avengers. But even a Justice League movie, I don't think at this point can touch what and Marvel there's absolutely – there's not even rumors of, for instance, Arrow or now The Flash – who is premiering either last night or tonight on Arrow on Arrow on the yeah. CW. There's absolutely not even any rumors again on your of side of the street of them moving into features. No. Right. They like to keep for some reason they like to keep Warner those TV Brothers things likes to separate. keep their TV on TV and their movies and movie theaters. Otherwise they should have cast Tom Welling in fucking the Man first the first go around. It was Superman even, It was already even ready for then. The yeah. show had been on the air for like four years. Yeah. Like that would have been smart because then you had a Superman show. Yeah. And it would have tied in those universes. So now I think those TV things are completely separate. Right. Um, Which again is is when you see Marvel the way that Marvel is exploiting all of the characters that they still have control over which is not X-Men over at Fox and it's not Spider-Man at Sony. But what Marvel is doing with everything that they still have the ability to affect and control is incredible. It's not even that. The incredible thing is they're going, yeah, we we don't have Fantastic Four. We don't have Daredevil or we didn't. We we don't have X-Men. They got Daredevil back, right? So we're going to give you something you've never heard of and yet make you as excited as for it as you would be one of those names. They're making their own superstars now. Yeah. Which is a raccoon with a machine gun. Yeah. And a tree and no one, anyone gives a fuck about it. Yeah. Hardcore comic fans don't give a fuck about Guardians of the Galaxy. The only reason I'm aware of it is because they rebooted it in the last few years and because Mike Mignola, 
who created Hellboy, right. drew the original Rocket Raccoon miniseries. Okay. So that's why it's the only reason I'm even f- I'm familiar with the character. But one reason that a lot of listeners might be aware of it is that they had an absolutely amazing Hall H. It wasn't even experience. Hall H. It wasn't Hall H no, last year. It was Indigo. At Comic Con. I'm pretty sure, yeah, Guardians was not Hall H. But it was huge. Huge, yeah. What yeah. came out of that panel was huge. Suddenly that was on the was on the map. Well, even the better thing about that you found out later was that they were only like two weeks into shooting. When they showed what they... So they shot that... I listened to Kevin Feige on uh, Nerdist Podcast and he talked about how they are conscious of Comic-Con when they are shooting now and change their schedules accordingly so they can get Comic-Con footage that may or may not even make the movie right? because they know how important that is in carrying the film for the next year. Yeah. Even though they don't put it online. No, dude, it's fucking genius. Because we all, because yeah, I haven't seen it. No, they do a really good job with no, scrubbing they and take never, down. Th- that original Comic Con thing where they describe the team and the usual suspects kind of lined up never made it online. Yeah, which is incredible. Yeah, because oh, you know what I mean. Most of yeah. them do at this point. The World of Warcraft thing never made it online. Yeah. So so now they're doing an, a really good job. Even World of Warcraft, which like I've never played that fucking game. Well, me neither. I am now excited for that movie. Yeah. The cast just came together. It sounds super cool. Duncan, Good director. Great director. I did Moon. Exactly. And, um, fuck me. Duncan Jones' other movie. Was it after Moon or before Moon? I don't know. Because I've seen Moon and I loved it. Yeah. I don't think I saw the other one. Yeah. Vamp for just a second while I pull Yeah, up. yeah. So, I mean, the studios... It, look, it seems like two studios know extremely well how to do this at that point, and that's Marvel and Legendary, in my opinion. Right. And and even Legendary has their 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 misses, but in terms of building up hype for these movies, because what am I looking up again? Uh, what else? Duncan Jones directed. Right. For instance, there is a giant movie coming out soon. Okay, Anchorman. When does that come out? Source code. Ah, oh, that's right. I didn't see it. When does Anchorman 2 come out? Do you know? Um, it's got to be soon, right? Because they started blitzing it more than any movie I've ever seen advertising-wise. Will yeah, Ferrell is the studio on that, Paramount? On Anchorman, yeah. Yeah, they're doing wild posting all over town here. Which makes me think, like, this movie's coming out in a week. Because they don't... Movie studios... December 18. Exactly. They don't start advertising now until about three weeks before the movie comes out, which is mind-boggling to me. Because when well, I was it's younger, really tough. The landscape is so dense. How do you break through? It's always a always an issue. When I was a little kid, there was I would have like a six-month countdown clock on the movies I was excited for. Yeah, I I am so excited for Anchorman too. I don't even know when it's coming out. That's how many fucking movies are out nowadays. Yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, so it's tough. Um, so when I can get excited about a movie that hasn't even begun production yet. That's the studio doing it right. You know what I mean? Right. Such as? World of Warcraft. They're in production, aren't they? They, ju- they I think they're starting this week. Okay. Because I know one of the guys in it. And Fifty Shades of Grey just started. That just started, right? I saw E.L. James. Oh, my God. Am I excited? I love <laughs> Dakota Johnson and dude who Jamie replaced. Jamie Dornan. I don't know who that is. Well, he's the guy. Yeah, the dude who replaced Charlie Hunnam. What's this guy from? Uh, I couldn't tell you. Who's directing it? A lady's directing it, right? Sam Taylor Johnson, yeah. Who made Nowhere Boy, the John Lennon movie. I didn't see that. Sort of small indie movie, you know? Uh, With the kid from Kick-Ass? Yes, who she is now married to. What? Yeah, you didn't know that? No. Half her age. She's already had a kid or two by him. Wait. He's 21 or 22. Aaron Johnson or whatever his name is? Yeah. Really? They met on Nowhere Boy. And then... They got married. Oh, that's I like that. I'm adding that to my to my Naveen Andrews Barbara Hershey <laughs> part of my brain. He plays um Jamie Dornan, who's playing Christian Gray, plays the huntsman slash Sheriff Graham in on Once Upon a Time on TV. He was also in The Fall, where he played, I think, a serial killer. Tarsim is another the fall? TV series. Now. Oh, oh. And um I don't know. Sophia Coppola's Marie Antoinette. Now, you you know, I don't know how much your friend is involved with the film at all. She's very involved. She is. Yeah, E.L. James. 
do you, do you think it was smart to go unknowns? Um, I don't know if you. Can in a way, I think it's smart. Yeah, because the book is bigger than they'll any just of the because actors. yes, and the characters, the characters are bigger than any actor okay. specifically. So these actors will now be synonymous with these characters in the way that Kristen Stewart is synonymous with Bella Swan, exactly. and Rob Pattinson is. Edward Cullen, you know? Yeah, I didn't even think of No one in those movies was a name. I mean, Kristen had done... Kristen had done Panic Room for Fincher and Into the Wild for Sean Penn. Is she the little girl in Panic? She's Jodie Foster's daughter? Yeah. I didn't ever realize that. Yeah. I never put that together. Yeah. I mean, so she was already... If if you'd seen Panic Room or Into the Wild, you knew that... She was a good actor. Kristen Stewart was an incredibly strong actor, Um, which we do get to say because that's... The classical reference is not actress. It's actor, actor oh, for every gender. Okay. But, um, and Rob Pattinson had already made his appearance in Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Um, but not much else that anybody really was aware of. And this is even smaller than that. I, I don't know who the dude is at all. And I only know, is it Dakota Johnson? Yeah. Because 21 who Jump her Street. Father is. I didn't even realize that till like a week ago. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I remembered her. She was decent in 21 Jump Street and like the four lines she had in the movie. Yeah. She got really cut out of it, I, I heard. So, Maybe uh, so. Yeah, I don't know. But it was enough that I was like, all right, she's cute. Right. <laughs> but yeah, that's, I, that's... Well, I think in fairness... There does not seem to be... That's this, where they ended up. This is a strange question too, but there does, in terms of book-to-movie translations in the last few years, so Hunger Games, Twilight... Uh, all the other ones that bombed that I've never heard of. Yes. There was a lot of hoopla around the casting and the filming. There yeah. does not seem to be that for Fifty Shades of Grey. Do you think it's because... The- oh, there was. I think you're just not... The initial you, casting. ...not tuned into it. Okay. Is there yeah. now, though, still? I mean, is is that film projected to be... To do on a par with the other... Because that book outsold all those other ones by far, right? Yeah, radically. Radically. The, the book sales are... are Stratosphere, but because it's not a YA thing, correct? It it is way. I think people confuse that. I it's do its own thing. Well, it's it's so weird, Matt. Because I was just talking with Eric Odom about this the other day. It's like, why would you even? What is the what is the connection between the Hunger Games and? Or I'm sorry, no. What is the connection between Harry Potter and Twilight? Just the fact that they're youth adult novels. Young adult. Magic and witchcraft and shit. Not even that. Not even. But people do in the business and in the business reporting, which is Entertainment Weekly, Entertainment Tonight, etc. They're connected. And why are they connected? The answer is Harry Potter was bringing a movie in on their usual Harry Potter release date. That's what it is. In November. It's the 7th. And they had to push off that date and summit moved twilight new moon onto that date made a fortune huge and a, a a radically uh radically large jump from the gross of the first twilight moving to november to this yes so now hungry, so now no i mean those the first two twilights have both opened in november okay but um but the the i think that's right I might be wrong about that, but um. But the anyway, movie, the yeah. the upshot is, the minute a Twilight movie moved into a release date vacated by a Harry, Harry Potter, Potter movie, and made a fortune, suddenly all these lazy business writers are connecting Harry Potter and Twilight. When of course there's absolutely no connection, other than the fact, by the way, I would I would say the significant connection is that J.K. Rowling and Stephanie Meyer were two never published middle-aged women one had a vision on a train apparently that came to her and pretty much intact all of it harry potter hogwarts all of it and another woman had a dream about a a teenage human girl and a sparkly vampire boy in a meadow and the two of them laying next to each other and wanting to fuck, but no, but the fact that obviously he he could also kill her. So I don't know the circumstances actually around um, 
Suzanne Collins, who had who was a TV writer, Hunger Games lady. Yes, and she had written TV, and she'd also written, I think, children's books. Um, I don't know the circumstances of that she's spoken of in terms of how Katniss Everdeen and that world of the districts and the capital came to her. I've no idea. Pan M. Um, I saw the movie. When what's I was, that? I saw the movie Pan Am. when I was in um, Pan Am, Florida for Thanksgiving. I went by myself to an 11 o'clock screening. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, but it was at an IPIC theater, so I got to like lay down and eat and stuff during it. God, what movie theaters are becoming now? They're becoming whorehouses. You have no idea how loud. It was insane that I was at a movie. Yeah. Everyone was just talking and fucking eating, really? which was fine because Hunger Games was on. You didn't like it? I like the books, man. Those movies are so lifeless and just movies. How interesting. Really. And this one is definitely better than the first one. But still, when I walked out, I told my friend, they were like, what would you think? I was like, well, I didn't fall asleep. And at no point did I want to die. So best movie of the year. Wow, that's hilarious. <laughs> but honestly, just there's nothing. I don't get how those movies do that money. And I and I'm a, this is coming from a fan of the book. Yeah. Like they're just lifeless in my opinion. A lot of people feel that way about Twilight. I didn't say I haven't seen any of the Twilight. And you flicks. could say exactly the same thing. A, I felt the I same know way. a lot of people they the specific criticism of Twilight especially between Kristen Stewart and Rob Pattinson is, is that there's a certain lifeless thing happening and 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 a lot of people would on who are on the outside of that phenomenon would say exactly that quote I don't know how those movies do that kind yeah. of money Well even and 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 I know this It is, is a head scratcher when you're on the outside of the phenomenon And dude I I was on the inside of the phenomenon for Harry Potter and I still think 60% of those movies are boring and lifeless. Well, I I got off the... I like I like the third one by Quaron, and I like the last two. And I got off the train for some reason. I couldn't even ex- ex- explain why to you. I certainly didn't get off the, the train after I saw the third movie, the Quaron movie, but which I liked and was the most beautiful and By far the best, and the best one. Yeah. Of certainly the first three. And then you can argue the last part is the best of the franchise. Maybe so. Because it's fucking... And look, I skipped the... F- I, I still don't think I've seen all of the Harry Potter movies. Right. But that being said, watching the last part is still really fucking cool. Okay. Um, it's a really great like, wrap What up. is that phenomenon when you see three movies... I was also talking about this with Eric Oden the other day. Something that we saw in Breaking Dawn Part 1 that we were sort of warned about by Summit, who pulls all of these historical box office comparatives, is that fourth movies tend to have a dip in the gross. Harry Potter 4 apparently had a dip, right? And then they recover with 5, 6, etc. But there's always sort of, it's almost as if the massive worldwide audience has to sort of catch its breath for a second and go, all right, just let me rest. I can't take another one of these, but I'll be able to get it up once. I'll be able to get it up, but I just need to break a second. This this might be a weird A to C thinking on that, but do you think it's because before these movies started coming out with one everything year was in trilogies. seven years we were used to trilogies so i it's, think everything eric and i were also talking yeah. about this. every you know what it the rule of exactly, threes and yeah. comedy exactly the classic not in theater obviously where the the structure is a two-act structure and certainly not in television where that's like a 24-act structure practically but um you know, the classical structure of, of a, a three, movie three certainly act, is everything. a three-act structure. And yeah, I mean, everything really great that we had in childhood and some that was not so great. Um, I'm thinking of Back to the Future. But Indiana Jones was a trilogy. Star Wars, the Star Wars trilogy, obviously. Shit, even, you know, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I mean, or you could say what uh, Max Landis now calls his favorite trilogy of all time, and he might not be wrong. The uh, link letter, uh, Ethan Hawke, Julie Delpy film. Before, tr- it the would before be the before, trilogy. Before trilogy, right? Which I just saw the last film of on my way back from Japan. It was fucking astounding. And I was like, Is you know great? what? It's great. And he's right. Like, those three movies might be the... You know what I mean? Interesting. In terms of like a through line throughout. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like a really satisfying. Huh. If, if, it's no, if you've never seen any of those movies and just sit down and watch all three of them in one day. Yeah. Your brain might explode. And are they definitively finished? Oh, yes. 
It's not going to be like my Michael Apted with forty two up, fifty two up, sixty two up. I'm still watching all those ups, man. Are you waiting for them to get exciting? <laughs> well, they're going to start dying soon, aren't they? Uh, you would think a couple of them. Give the logline, obviously, before we can continue. The Michael Apted series of documentaries started fifty six years ago, fifty eight years ago, with with a movie called Seven Up in I want to say the late sixties. Uh, in England. In England, uh, where he um, basically went around and picked like 10 school children of the same exact age, which would be seven, from different right. uh, racial and you know so- social and economic British backgrounds. class system. Totally. What he did is every seven years since goes back and films them to update you where they are in their life. So there have been, I'm really bad at math, but is 58 the number? Um, seven times something 49 and seven yeah 58 yeah it's currently up to the 58th so he's been filming these documentaries for 58 years and in in, in them and they're i i think they're fucking fascinating like in terms of i really i suddenly like want to watch all of those in terms of what happens to in people in terms of tracking human beings what happens lives, to people it's it's insane yeah so michael abted i mean a f- former president of the director's guild and stuff a movie director who these are documentaries, but is also equally net, equally well known as a feature director. He's seventy two years old right now. Let's just dwell on Michael Apted here for a second. How many more can he do? Well, that is the question. I mean, the other interesting thing would have been if he always turned the camera on himself, because then we would have got to see him. You know what I mean? He started working in um, uh, TV, probably British TV, in nineteen sixty three, and then. Did a number of episodes of the long-running British TV series Coronation Street, yep. 66 and 67. Which is still on, I believe. Um, and let's just see. So 7 plus 7 looks to be the original TV movie in 1970. Okay. That's the original title, 7 plus 7. And then, I always thought it was 7 up. Yeah, that's what I thought, thought so too. He's doing stuff for ITV Playhouse, which is also British. And then let's just see where it takes off here. Let's see when he makes the jump to sort of a movie that you've heard of. Well, then in 1977, it's the next. In- How is that possible? Sorry for our listeners who have to listen. To I don't think I can't be because it's 58 years ago, dude. So that's like 1950. What? What's okay, seven plus seven. Were four, they all fourteen? Is that fourteen up? It starts with seven up. All right, Matt Cohen, we're drilling down on this, folks. For you, <laughs> hang on. Here's the here's the synopsis at IMDb. Director Michael Apted. Uh, well, this is just for the whole series. Revisits the same group of British-born children after a seven-year period. The subjects are interviewed as to the changes that have occurred in their lives during the last seven years. So it looks like the first time he does it is 1970. And then seven years later... That's impossible because then it would only be 48 years well, ago. If we super drill down on this, we're gonna, we'll are gonna we go to Wikipedia on it in a second. It would have to be... 58. The next one is in 77 and it's called 21 Up. That's impossible because they're they're twenty one in it, so it's got to be three before that. So okay, are you going to go to Wikipedia and look this shit up? I'm going to figure this out right now. Let's drill it down. The last By the way, up. all of these are the ones that have been made to date are available in a uh, DVD box set, folks, called the Up series. The Up series. Okay, from seven plus onward, they had been directed by Michael Apted. Apparently, he was a researcher oh. on the original. Okay, it was directed by Paul Almond. Uh. So the original Seven Up was aired in 1964. Okay, uh, 1964 was the first one. So Apted came on on, I think the third one. Right. Okay. Um, and it says, yeah, they follow the lives of 14 British children since 1964 when they were seven years old. So far, and this is an older one, spending 49 years, one episode every seven years. Um, I think there is a international version as well. I don't even want to get okay. to that level of insanity. Um, but Abted jumps over into narrative features, by the way. Uh, noteworthy narrative features. There may be others here that, I, that I've just glazed over with my thumb on IMDb because the titles don't mean that much here, to I me. With a movie called Agatha, 
about Agatha Christie, I think, in 1979. Then he does Coal Miner's Daughter, which is a cla- considered classic. He does Continental Divide, which was written by Mr. Lawrence Kasdan, was the screenplay that put Larry Kasdan on the map for Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. I think George Lucas may have... Lucas or Spielberg, I think, executive produced Continental Divide. That's with John Belushi in 1981. Then he does Gorky Park in 1983. I'm so surprised by Michael Apted's fucking... Filmography? Yes. It's interesting. Having only seen the Up films and assuming yeah. he was a documentary filmmaker. Let me roll. So <laughs> Get to then the he end. does a movie that I saw when I was in high school called Firstborn about a kid who um, is sort of a kid played by Chris Collett who is trying to hold his family together. His mother is recently divorced, I think. His younger brother is played by Corey Haim, maybe in Corey Haim's first film. And there's... Uh, Speaking of the Corys, real quick, I was watching Time After Time last night for the first time. Right. And a seven-year-old Corey Feldman. Corey Feldman. It? Yeah, the As Nicholas Meyer, Sherlock Holmes movie. Exactly, yeah. Right. Um, Not Sherlock Holmes. H.G. Wells, Jack the Ripper. That's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Um. Terry Gar plays the mother. Peter Weller plays her new boyfriend who moves in and proceeds to kick the shit out of her. Then, in the same year, 1984, Michael Apted releases another one. It's 28 Up. Then he does, a year later, he does the Sting documentary, Bring on the Night, which I saw like six times and is incredible. <laughs> then he does a Richard Pryor movie, Critical Condition. Then he does Gorillas in the Mist with Sigourney Weaver playing... Um, the famous guerrilla researcher Diane Fossey, who was uh, murdered. Um, class action with Gene Hackman. Jumps over to TV. Comes back in 1991 for 35 Up. Does Thunderheart with Val Kilmer. Um, does Blink with, I think, maybe Madeline. One of the Madelines. Is it Madeline Stowe? Yes, it is. Thank you very much. Now is where I start to know his films. Nell. Yep. With Jodie Foster. Southern Theaters. Um, Tay in the Wind. Extreme Measures with Hackman and Hugh Grant. Saw that one. Inspirations, which I've never heard of, starring, uh, looks like, oh, that's another documentary on creative folks, including David Bowie. And then 42 Up in 1998. Does a Bond film. Yeah. The World Is Not so Enough. If you would have told me. Pierce Brosnan. If you would have told me the man who'd been making the documentaries I've been watching it's for crazy. years fucking directed The World Is Not Enough, right. and I'm just going to jump a few years. The Chronicles of Narnia, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader? Yeah. Pretty surprised on that one. 49 be- up in between that. A few episodes of Rome for HBO. This would be like if you told me Errol Morris directed the Steve Carell Get Smart He movie. is a very... Michael Apted is uh, 56 up just last year. And then the doc... And, and the Chasing sur- the Mavericks, doc, The Surf... Yeah. Yeah, and look, looks like he's doing a few episodes of Masters of Sex. <laughs> it wasn't even the, a documentary chasing the Kinsey knockoff TV series on Showtime. That that IMDb surprises me, but but that is here's the thing. Now you don't you don't even have that level of awareness of Michael Apted, and I had I would say none half that level of awareness. Um, obviously, um. In the down months between Matt and I, as I was telling Matt when he walked in, I did a podcast uh, with Alonzo Duralde and Dave White, both of whom have been guests on this podcast and previous episodes. Their podcast is called Linoleum Knife, and I went on their show and had a great, great time with those guys. Um, But I went all through the bombing of uh, my partner Bill Condon's Julian Assange movie, starring Benedict Cumberbatch, The Fifth Estate, on that podcast. So I won't go back through all of that on this, even though we're just picking up Team Jack, obviously. And in the intervening good? months, that movie did come and go. Do you think people confused it with The 51st Date? Uh, no, I don't. Okay. But um, I here's, here's one interesting facet of that. As we sort of sifted through the wreckage of Fifth Estate, the interesting thing is when you look at filmmakers – who tend to get a lot of attention from the press and the blogosphere for their latest release versus filmmakers who don't, there's definitely the critical community. There's something interesting to be said or explored in the idea that the critical community, 
which can include the blogosphere for the purposes of this conversation, does tend to like it all in a career the same way. And the two careers I would use to illustrate this point would be David Fincher, who brings roughly a similar visual approach to everything that he makes, and Chris Nolan, who brings roughly the same visual approach and the same chilly tone to everything that he makes and is drawn to. Now, obviously, you know, I think we've actually gone into the auteur theory, which is the French uh, theory brought brought to this country and popularized by the film critic Andrew Sarris in the late 1960s, I think, which holds that the true auteur or author of any given movie is the director, of course. Um, but... Um, See, I don't. There is less. My point is, there is less interest generally, and and less respected, less respect afforded to movie directors who have an incredibly diverse body of work that is not easily uh, characterized or categorized. Which is why everybody, you could probably almost every anyone listening to this podcast. Well, not in, you know, maybe not some of our, our Twihard listeners might not be able to rattle off five David Fincher titles or, you know, two or three non Dark Knight Nolan titles. But you kind of know it's a Christopher Nolan movie. You see the teaser poster, you see the trailers, you see the TV spots. It all feels it's not dissimilar from the last one two years ago and the one two years before that. People like Michael Apted, who move around a lot, or increasingly Mr. Condon, who is moving around a lot, people have a hard time uh, getting interested in that. And I'll give you the one of the. Hang on, just okay. one second. Yeah, yeah. One of the journalists said to Bill at the in during the pre- Fifth Estate Press junket in Toronto, as regards him coming off these the last two. Twilight movies and then doing a movie about Julian Assange, which Julian had been attacking since the movie had been announced before Bill was even attached to direct it. Um, This person, uh, this journalist, whoever it was, said to Bill, um, either as they were starting or wrapping up the interview, you really don't make it easy on yourself, do you? But that is exactly, shouldn't that be, I I would ask, should that not be the point? I agree, but it's just harder to follow. In and that, people in that are lazy. Yeah. Yeah. Just interesting. I agree. Yeah. This isn't Michael Apted's career, at least as interesting as Christopher Nolan's career. Almost no one would say yes because it requires too much work. So that's a good point. And here's Marlon Wayans calling to Marlon Wayans is calling. And actually, just at this exact moment, Bill Condon is texting. So it's all happening. Welcome to Hollywood, folks. Exactly. Um, That's actually probably to bring it all back weirdly to uh, how much time do we have left? Like two minutes. So I'll bring it back. Perfect. Like 58. Anyway. Um, Okay. Linkletter's other movie that's due to come out is kind of a seven up type thing. Do you know about that? I don't. Uh, Linkletter. And I don't have the name of my phone just died, but Linkletter shot a film. I can't even remember who the actors are, but all I know is it started with a baby and now that kid is like 14 years old or something and they've been shooting it for like a week every year for the last like decade or more. Right. And the film is finally done. Um, I can't remember who the other two actors are. It's a husband and wife uh, cast. But basically for the last like, I want to say 10 years, if not more, that he's been shooting a, a like a week, I think, on this movie. Okay. And finally has pieced together a feature film. Wow. Hang on just one second. Um, just to close up the loop before yeah, we totally. have to sign off as Matt has another engagement. He directed this, right, Matt? Not just produced? Yeah. It would be his newest movie after... Uh... It's called The Untitled 12-Year Project. Yep, it was 12 at years. At the moment. <laughs> there you go. And uh, the original working title was Boyhood. Who are the actors in it? Is it Ethan Hawke again? Yeah. Um... It's Patricia Arquette, Ethan Hawke, Nick Krause. So I think Patricia, Sam Dillon. So I think Patricia like, Arquette and Ethan Hawke. There's play, like play quite them. a number of actors 
already in this, and I'm literally just reading the names out. Shane Graham looks familiar of actors whose faces I'm recognizing as I'm scrolling sideways with my thumb through the so that to me headshots. i mean even though it wasn't this conversation we were having that to me is another due for release next year it's e, e link letter is someone who i don't think gets the praise he deserves by at least my generation yeah. of film fans yeah um who's had an incredibly diverse career yes and and people just don't know how to peg it because he was the slacker think, dude and then he you know what i mean he was the slacker dude. He was this whole, and didn't he do reality bites with Winona Ryder and Ethan Hawke again? Yeah, uh, yes, and he did Days and Confused in the nineties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was sort of part of the big Austin American independent film movement, which was in the nineteen nineties. Mm-hmm. But since that time, has really become, to my mind, most and best known for the before trilogy. The interesting thing about the Before Trilogy is, despite the fact that they're all probably hovering around, you know, 98% on Rotten Tomatoes, if that's meaningful to you, um, they make so little money that I think he's, I hate to say, but it feels to me that despite the fact that those movies are so beloved by the people who have seen them, despite the fact that those movies are so well-reviewed by the critics who have reviewed them, he is dismissed and I would put it to you that those movies are dismissed because they don't make absolutely a financial impact that's significant enough to get people constantly sort of, but going on the back same hand, he also directs them. like school of rock, which yeah. you know what I mean? Which so, no one remember, which no one, I'm not, people remember that, but no one remember remembers well, him as having directed it. No, or no one fucking which remembers. Is a studio. Exactly. That's the closest he's made to a studio movie in a hundred years, hey, it seems oh, to me. The Newton Boys was a Link Letter movie. Throughout his entire career, he, he made he's that He's had a really unconventional career. And people don't bed like bar- unconventional, unless you're the Coen brothers. Exactly. Where the whole thing is about unconventional, and then they love it every time. Perfect, man. And anyway. then you make a movie that no one can pronounce. Yeah, I exactly. think it's Llewellyn. Uh, Lillowellen, Lillowen, Lewin. It Lewin? might be Lewin inside See? Lewin Davies. Who knows? The new Coen Brothers. Thanks, thanks, guys. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for listening, folks. Kathleen uh, Vorn Dam, you have another podcast to illustrate. We're on Twitter. Exactly, KBV Matt. You will send it to her. You will send this to her yeah, post haste. Um. We do, you can find all of Kathleen and Sasha and Tracy's illustrated episode guides for the previous episodes of Team Jack at teamjack.com. You can follow us on Twitter at, uh, at team underscore Jack uh, and follow me at Jack underscore Morrissey with two R's and two S's. You can follow Matt Cohen at Camel Toad, which is Camel Cigarettes and um, Toady, Toad's, Toady Toadstool Toad. And uh, anybody wanting to read your bullshit at Nerdist finds it how? You just subscribe just go, just, to the daily Nerdist. Just go to Nerdist.com. And search your name. I, I mean, yeah, or just look on the front page. I'm sure a lot of that shit will be mine. Um, Matt only, Cohen tells so us for right interested here. listeners of his own podcast uh, that his podcast is like by has been dormant these last few months. Bagged and boarded, right? Yeah, we've been doing. I've been doing more episodes lately, and they've been popping up sporadically, and hopefully to be uh, a little less sporadically. Yeah, for us as well going forward. So, thanks for listening. Find us on Facebook, Pinterest, etc., folks. It's all under Team Jack or my name, Jack Morsey. And um, hopefully, we'll maybe uh, make another one uh, next week. We'll see. All right, out.
This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at Smodcast.com. Hey, Kev, it's time to record a new Smodcast. Fuck off. I'm listening to one of the other great shows on the Smodcast Podcast Network. Scott? There's so many to choose from. You damn skip it. There's so many to choose from. I'm on five every week myself, man. Uh, Hollywood Babylon on Monday. Smodcast with you on Tuesday. Jane, Silent Bob, Get Old on Wednesday with Jay Muse. Fat Man on Batman every Thursday. And then I wrap up the week with Edumacation with Andy McElfrish. There's so many to choose from. Hell yeah, son. And those aren't the only podcasts. Those are just the ones I'm involved with. What about the podcasts of Smodco that don't feature me, man? Like Tell em Steve Dave. Last Week on Earth with Ben Glebe. I Sell Comics with Ming and Mike. There's so many to choose from. Hey, man, there's also Film School Fridays or NetHeads or Get Up on This, Team Jack. There's so many to choose from. The Breaks, man. Waking from the American Dream, Bagged and Boarded, Phoebe, Soundbite Nation. These are all the shows you could be listening to over at Smodcast.com, Scott. There's so many to choose from. And if audio's not enough for you, man, if you're just like, no, I want the thick dick of video as well, man, we can go to our YouTube channel, which is C-Smod, or you can watch Comic Book Men, our show on AMC, following The Walking Dead and The Talking Dead every Sunday. Sunday night. There's so many to choose from. That's right, Scott. There are so many to choose from. So get choosing, kids. Go to smodcast.com. Start getting picky, man. Stick these sweet, sweet oral sounds into your ear pussies. There's so many to choose from. You said that already. There's so many to choose from.